insurrection was this political beatdown. And, and and the con the contrast couldn't be more clear. But that trial. When, when, when are we when are we going to see somebody from Fox? When are we going to see maybe Rupert Murdoch himself apologize? For the misinformation, disinformation, malinformation that his organization was spewing. I mean, do you think that we're ever going to see anybody take ownership for the lies and the promotion of these lies? I don't think so. And then on top of it, to receive these 41,000 plus hours and then have them clip them down into 7, 10, 20, 30 seconds clips so that now you have all of these defense counsel claiming that without all, without us being able to view all of the information that exists on these 40,000 plus hours of surveillance tape, we're not going to be able to effectively right, represent our clients as best as we can, regardless of the fact that many of them have already pled guilty to the charges that have been brought against them seditious conspiracy, etc. Um, you know, in, acting improperly on the capital grounds, uh, breaking an entry, destruction of government property, whatever. All of a sudden, they're showing like a seven, eight, ten second clip of the guy just walking down. Yeah, but they don't show what happens before or after. So it's just selective cutting of this of these tapes. It's Cherry really picking. the whole thing is just truly despicable. It would be yeah, like be showing video footage of a 9-11 uh, hijacker, a terrorist, when they were at the airport eating peanuts. And then basically, like, you see, they were eating peanuts here. The, it's like, well, that doesn't mean that they that the entire time they were engaged in the... Like, what are you talking about? But to your point about the board of Fox, you know, Paul Ryan, former Speaker of the House, who was complicit with all of... Trump's criminality and was super weak then, his nickname should just be complicit because this is what he is uh, uh, text messaging. We have his messages on December 6, 2020. And he like is saying that there's something wrong, but he doesn't do anything. He doesn't resign, right? And he gives them the cover that they want, Fox wants in this case, the same way that he gave Trump the cover that Trump wanted. Um, you know, his because he has like no shame like look at what paul ryan was saying december 6 2020 and by the way he's saying he's making good points here but watch what he's saying he goes morning guys exclamation point happy to chat trump if you want mm -hmm. i think we are entering a truly bizarre phase of this where he has actually convinced himself of this farce and will do more bizarre things to delegitimize the election i see this as a key inflection point for fox where the right thing and the smart business thing to do line up nicely. A uh -huh. solid pushback, including yeah. editorial mm -hmm. of his baseless calls for overturning electors, will undoubtedly accrue pushback mm -hmm. and possibly momentary ratings dip, but will clearly rebound to our benefit in terms of credibility. Trump is going to wear thin and look crazier by the day. Let him cleave off the fringe for his venture, and we can keep the largest pool of people. The center and center-right Fox is stronger than he is now. And later, in my opinion, just a few thoughts at this pivotal time. Best Paul Ryan. But here's <laughs> the thing, Cohen. If you believe that, that's not just like a, hey, guys, how are you? What do you think about this traitor and us committing defamation every day? If you're part of an organization that does that, and you make a statement the way Paul Ryan does, and then your organization does the opposite, 
You don't work at the organization anymore. You quit. You say, I'm done. I'm out. That's what you're supposed to do. But that's why Paul Ryan now, who's getting screamed at by Trump and getting mocked, now he's also on the hook and liable in Fox. And this is exactly what he did in the Trump administration. Do you, is it something psychological with these country club no. Republicans that they just no. can't speak up? Yeah, they're just traitors? No, it's, not, it's more than that. It's even grosser than that. My belief, it's all about the money. Right? Or if they say, it's all about the Benjamins. That's all that they get. Paul Ryan never saw the kind of money that he's seeing as a member of the board of Fox. Right? You're seeing Tucker Carlson making, what, 20, 30 million? You got Hannity making 40. You got Laura Ingraham making big, gigantic dollars as well. They don't give a shit about the truth. Fuck the truth. The truth doesn't matter as long as I'm able to buy another house. I'm able to upgrade my airplane every few years. Or, you know, stock another Ferrari, Lamborghini, or, you know, whatever it might be in our garage, in our second, third home. That's all they care about. And if you, you fucking sucker who is listening to me, want to buy this shit, believe it so that I can keep, you know, making more and more money, so be it. And that's what they said. We're worried about our viewers. We're worried about our viewers not sticking with us and running off to Newsmax, which is another garbage organization, that we're worried about them going there and, and then losing our advertising dollars and so on. I mean, that's all that this is about. It's almost oh like God. selling a product that you know is going to kill the user, but you don't care because you think it's very much like the opioid, you know, crisis with the family. I think of the, what their last name was again. Um, they had they had the great, um, you know, show. I think it was on Netflix uh, where they talked about how they knew that the opioid, that oxycontin, was going to kill people and addict them to it. Instead of pulling back and stopping and letting people know what's going on, they got doctors to double and triple and quadruple the dosage. Right, and I say this because. Two of my best friends, my oldest friends in the world, both died as a result of it. This is exactly the same shit. They don't care about the viewer. They don't care about the user. All they care about is how much money that they could put in their pocket. The Sackler is the name, by the way. It's the Sackler family, yeah. Sackler family. And, and some of the journalists and reporters, if you want to even call it that at this point, who work at Fox are going and speaking on background, who claim they work in the news division. And they've been talking to a bunch of media outlets. They spoke, for example, to uh, the Daily Beast. And to your point about Newsmax and the fear of losing viewers to Newsmax, someone who works in the Fox so-called news division said on background to the Daily Beast, quote, the biggest eye-opener of all of this is the paranoia at the highest levels of the company. That an upstart like Newsmax can even be in the same arena as Fox for them? This is Fox. Dude, Fox News. Like, we have a huge infrastructure nationwide. So many resources that something like a Newsmax just cannot even come close to matching. And to think that they were so concerned about losing market share to someone like Newsmax and to go so far as to report these conspiracy theories on air, that to me is the most revealing of all of this. That people in positions of power, Rupert Murdoch, Lachlan Murdoch, Suzanne Scott, the CEO of Fox, all of them, they were actually genuinely concerned and paranoid without pandering to the Trump base and entertaining the lies that they would actually crumble as a business. And look, for all you people, too, though, 
who are speaking on background and still taking your check from Fox. I got news for you, too. Like, you're complicit. I appreciate you sharing that view with the Daily Beast and others, but you're being used as the prop for the thing that you're criticizing so they can go, oh, look, we have news people here. But really, they lean into their propaganda shows in the evening hours. But Ben, remember something, too. And, Sophie, if you could find the clip, Sean Hannity turning around and making the statement that, you know, I'm not a journalist. I'm an entertainer. I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a talk show host. I think is the exact words that he used. No, you're not a talk show host if you are on a Fox News channel. Because that's what Fox is portraying themselves to be. So anybody that's there technically should be telling the truth. But we don't see anybody anymore, you know, really talking about the truth. From so many of, you know, these Republican uh, politicians all the way to, and when I say we're not seeing any of them, I'm talking about on the, on the far right side. We don't see any truth. I mean, you start to see committees coming out now, like the subcommittee on weaponization of government. Talk about a fucking farce. They're sitting there and they're worried about something that happened on Twitter that dealt with the coronavirus as opposed to worrying about the weaponization by the former administration because it doesn't match their, their, um, you know, their storyline. And the same thing we're seeing about these far-right members of the military who are freaking out about what a complete and utter total disaster that Afghanistan, the withdrawal from Afghanistan was, again, under the Biden administration. Well, if you call getting 135,000 people out of Afghanistan, which is a freaking war zone and has been for over four decades, well, I don't know, maybe I disagree with you. And does my heart go out to the 13 service members that died? It absolutely does. But that was done by some lunatic who was wearing a, you know, an explosive device on one of those, um, you know, one of those vests. You yeah, can't no, so stop that, Trump especially not when you're extricating the, yourself from a war zone. We all know the two hardest times getting in and getting out of a war zone. And they did the best that they can. Oh, my God, it wasn't pretty. People were hanging on the sides. They were trying to jump barbed wire fences. I don't know what was going on there, but 135,000 plus people were extricated by this administration, by the Biden administration, and I would turn around and I would say, you know, that that's a resounding success. But you hear the exact opposite. Everybody wants to fight you. You know, you turn around and you talk about the benefits that the Biden administration has done, getting the COVID vaccine into people's arms or the, you know, COVID relief package or any of the other, what did they say, 23 bipartisan things that the Biden administration has accomplished? Not good enough. Not good enough. You know why? Because Biden sneezed when he was coming down the steps of, you know, uh, Air Force One. Therefore, it's a massive, you know, doom and gloom situation. It's really become a complete and utter joke. Here's the clip of Sean Hannity where he says that he is not a journalist. President, so keep speculating. Nobody in the media has any idea of who my sources are, who they're not, and who I talk to, who I don't talk to, and I will not reveal my sources. And all these hate Trump media outlets, they, they all pretend they're, they're unbiased, that they're, they're journalists. Well, I'm, I don't claim to be a journalist. We do journalism. 
what we say about being a talk show host, but we're like the whole newspaper. Now, we do straight news when there's a war, straight news on weather, straight news on important, you know, incidences that are happening, like Ferguson when that was happening, or, or Baltimore. And then we give a lot of opinion. So we're the news page, the editorial page, the opinion page. We even do gossip and sports. Like tonight, for example, Tim Tebow's on. So we're like the whole newspaper. That's what we do, freedom of the press. But we identify what we do. Now, we do our own research, like we did with vetting Obama, like we do on the deep state. We do investigations. We bring you news and information you won't hear or see anywhere else, and opinion you won't get anywhere else. But all these hate Trump news people that claim to be journalists, no, they're really editorial writers and ones that make up a lot of BS at the same time. Cohen. Yeah, I mean, what is there? What is there to say? I think a couple of the comments that were in there having him as like an ass clown. I mean, for God's sake! First of all, if you have sources, that means that you're a journalist. It doesn't mean that you're a talk show host. And what that means are where's the whole newspaper? Again, it's all, it, it makes absolutely no sense what the guy is saying. All he was doing was, you know, pandering to Trump because it benefited him. It benefited his rating. It benefited the amount of money that he was making based off of advertising, like from this moron Mike Lindell and his stupid fucking company, uh, that pillow shit. I mean, that's all that this is about. This is all about them making more money, more money, and more money. That's it. You, you, you used to know Hannity. You yeah. Know, behind the, would, he, would he like brag about how rich he is? Would he like like were, were any of these signs there when when you like like when you would speak to him kind of person to person behind the scenes? Would he just be like, yeah, I'm killing a man. I'm making money. Well, yeah, yeah. The answer is yes. When he got his airplane, um, you know, he would talk about you know that, and then other personal things about family and so on. Look, I get it. Everybody wants to make as much money as they can. And God bless. Everybody should. And I hope everybody makes as much money to keep them and their family, you know, safe and happy and healthy and well-fed and well-clothed and whatever else it is that, that they need. But it's another thing when you're selling something, right? In this case, it's bullshit lies. But it's not just bullshit lies. It's bullshit lies that are destructive to our democracy. That basically you're like, well, I don't give a shit. At the end of the day, if democracy falls, you know, the day after I die, it didn't matter because I had a wonderful life. I had multiple homes. I had my own airplane. I had multiple cars. I had, I was taking trips whenever I want. I have a shit ton of money in the bank. That's just not selfish. It's stupid because, look, how many times have you heard me say this, Ben? If you have a strong America, you have a strong world. If you have a weak America, you have a weak world. And one of the things that America was doing, especially under the Obama administration, is we were trying to be the best that we could be worldwide. And then along comes, you know, the Trump administration, and everything goes to shit. It's all about nonsense. Oh, we're going to build the wall, and who's going to pay for it? And you have these these dopes that finally learn something. Oh, they all start screaming Mexico and applauding. And every time the guy burps a fart or sneezes, it's like the greatest burp fart sneeze that they've ever heard. So they applaud this jackass. 
Next thing you know, it's the promotion of lies, misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. Even when Donald himself knew, like with COVID, that he knew that it was dangerous, that it was going to kill people. But what did he say? Oh, we don't want to worry anybody. We don't want to cause fear. Really? You don't want to cause fear. It's why every parent who has half a brain puts one of those plastic covers in the electric socket when you have a brand new child so that when they're walking around, they don't stick their fingers into the electrical socket because you care about that child's future. If Donald cared about any single one of us, he would have let us know that the coronavirus was more dangerous than what he was purporting. Oh, don't worry, it's like the flu. Yeah, we lose some people from the flu, but don't worry, it's gonna be over in a few days. Go back to work, don't change your life. A million Americans die. And does this guy take any responsibility for that? In fact, does he take responsibility for anything? And the answer is a resounding no. Michael, I wanna give you my theory on Tucker Carlson's villain origin story. So when he was struggling around 2002, 2003, um, to really make a name for himself, he looked at that time to Bill O'Reilly, who was the big host at Fox. And what Tucker thought about Bill O'Reilly was that O'Reilly's just playing this part. He's lying to the base. He knows that he's lying. But look how successful Bill O'Reilly is. And uh, this old video footage of Tucker resurfaced where he's talking about O'Reilly, but he may as well be talking about the Tucker we now know today. So let's play this video that's recently resurfaced of Tucker Carlson from 2003. So this is the first video I want to show you. Then I have one more for you, but play this clip. Another quote from your book, Bill O'Reilly's success is built on the perception that he really is who he claims to be. If he ever gets caught out of character, it's over. That's right. I, I, I say before that that, you know, Bill O'Reilly's really talented. He's more talented than I am. You know, he's got a lot more viewers than I do. He's a better communicator than I am. Uh, but I think there's kind of a deep phoniness at the center of his huh. shtick. Huh. Uh, and again, as I say, the shtick is sort of built on this perception that he is the character he plays. He is every man. This kind of po- he's not right wing. He's a populist. This kind of Irish Catholic populist fighting for you against the powers that be. And that's great as a shtick. But I'm just saying the moment that it's revealed not to be true, it's over. The moment he gets caught, you know, slapping a flight attendant on the Concord for not bringing his champagne fast enough or barking at you know, one of his subordinates to take the, you know, brown M&Ms out of my bowl and get me a bottle of Evian or something like that. The second that makes page six, it's over, right? Because the whole thing is predicated on the fact that he is who he says he is. And just nobody is that person, especially not someone who makes a million dollars, you know, many millions a year. You see at the very end where he goes, especially someone who makes many millions of dollars at the year. And then I want to show you this one other clip, because around that time, Tucker hosted a show on CNN called Crossfire. And Tucker played the part of kind of a moderate Republican who would take that position. And they did this live show at the George Washington University, which coincidentally, I was at that live show. Um, that That was family weekend at Crossfire at George Washington University, and Tucker gets utterly humiliated by Jon Stewart. And that's the moment 
where Tucker, that you just saw, you'll see him get humiliated. You'll see the look where he was like, I'm just going to become a rabid fascist liar, and that's my path to success. Because I can't compete intellectually with someone like a Jon Stewart on facts. Play this clip. Special effort to come on the show today because I have mentioned uh, this show as being uh, uh, bad. It's not so much that it's bad as it's hurting America. So I, I wanted to but come here today let me, and say, wait, wait, I just, just, let me, here, here, here's just one, what I wanted to tell you guys. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> stop, 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 stop hurting America. I watch your show every day and it kills me. I can tell you what. It's it. so, oh, it's so painful to watch. Your partisan, um, what do you call it? Hacks. Wait, John, wait, like, and, let me, let me, you have a responsibility to the public discourse. And you, you fail miserably. I think you're a good comedian. I think your lectures are boring. You're on not at CNN. Let me say, my, the show that leads into me is puppets making crank phone calls. <laughs> what is wrong with you? It's someone who watches your show and cannot take it anymore. I just can't you fail miserably, I think. You need to go to one. Now, this is theater. I mean, it's, it's it obvious. Is, no, no, it's, how old are you? 35. And you wear a bow tie. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, I hate so, so, I, mean, I do think you're more fun on your show. That's uh, my opinion. But okay, 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 John Stewart goes, you're one interesting fan. You're as big a dick on your show <laughs> as you are on any show. There you have it. Right there. Yeah. You know, and the, the part that's the most disappointing when it comes to somebody like Tucker Carlson, my understanding and you can all Google it yourself, but Tucker Carlson's family is somehow affiliated that he is um, part of the Swanson uh, family. You know, the Swanson company, they do the fish uh, and so on. So this is not somebody that wasn't born with, you know, money with a silver spoon in his mouth, so to speak. This is a guy who came from, you know, from a family with real means. And the fact that he's willing to do the things that he's doing, all in search of what? The greater amount of money so that he could now turn around and boast to the rest of his family and say, hey, look at me. I'm willing to fuck up American democracy for the almighty dollar that, by the way, we already had and that we already have and my trust fund will continue to give. I don't understand. I don't understand people like this. Again, I understand the concept of making money. I made money. I want, you know, that was something that was important to me as it's important to just about everybody. But I'm not willing to do the things. In fact, I've lost virtually everything that I had earned as a direct result of Trump. So when all of these haters want to turn around and say, oh, you were nothing until Donald came along, that's absolutely not true at all. And again, if you read either of my books, Disloyal or Revenge, you'll understand the truth. So it's there, there's a personal scenario where you have to say, I need to think now more about the country, more about the future, more about my children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and great-great-great-grandchildren, and generations to come, that I need to think about my own personal needs and the need to have not one, but two airplanes, not three, but five houses. There comes a point in time that you should not want to have your finances impede upon a woman's right to make a determination what to do with her body or all of the other bullshit that's going on right now. And that's what makes them even more despicable than they actually are. 
I want to challenge something that you said just now, though, because you said that you pretty much lost all of your wealth as a direct result of Donald Trump. But I want to challenge that and say you lost a lot of your wealth because you decided to stand up for our democracy. The reality is that if you Fair. kept if you kept going in that direction, you'd probably be a significantly wealthier person by far right now, but you were confronted in real time with a decision that a lot of people were seeing, whether it's the Murdochs, whether it's the Tuckers, whether it's the Ingrahams, whether it's the Kushners, you were confronted with the exact same situation. And in your mind, you, you, you at the time, the decision was, Cohen, I'm, a, I'm a wealthy person right now, I'm doing well, I could become a significantly wealthier person. I'll probably get pardoned. Let me go down that path and let me hurt our democracy. Or on the other hand, I'm going to make a sacrifice for this democracy, for this country. I know the repercussions. You face the repercussions. You're facing the repercussions to this day. That was a decision that you made that was hard. And that's not even the right word. It's beyond hard. But that's what you are confronted with, and you, to protect our democracy, have done this. That's why, if you view it in that context, why I believe that you are really heroic, that the, con that the conduct you engaged in was something that everybody else in that orbit did not do but you. I think yeah, you, you know, Ben, you're, you're right about how you characterize it. You know, and I'm not, I'm not one for the flattery in terms of what I did. I did because I felt it was right. I did it because I knew that that's how my wife, my daughter, my son felt that I needed, you know, to step up and to do. But so many people used to say to me at when I was in Otisville, if you would have just shut up, if you would have not, we'll call it, turned on Donald and provided information, what do you think would have happened? You would have been the first one to have gotten pardoned. And they're probably right about that. I mean, if he pardoned Roger Stone and Paul Manafort, two people he didn't particularly care for, right, because they were on his side, I too would have been pardoned. And if I was pardoned, where do you think I would be right now? Not here on political beatdown, not doing uh, my, you know, my mea culpa podcast, probably not putting out this loyal of my new book event. I would be on Fox News as a host, just like another fucker Carlson or Hannity or Ingraham. I would have my own show, and if not on Fox News, like, you know, like so many others ended up going and working there, I would have ended up, you know, working for Newsmax as a, as a host. Like, I think <laughs> Laura Trump, who's as dumb as a stump, right? I mean, she has her own show. I'd have my own show on it, or I would have, you know, the support of all of, like, Kushner with Mohammed bin Salman and everything else. No, it wasn't important to me at that, at this point. What's important to me is our future. You know, it's the, the future of our democracy so that my children can have no less than what we have. My, God willing, one day my grandchildren and great-grandchildren, that they should be able to enjoy the, you know, the benefits of democracy and that we can start to see a world change so that you don't see things like Russia versus Ukraine with the slaughter that's going on in the death on both sides, by the way, or the fighting that's going on in the Middle East, whether it's Israel and Palestine, whether it's going on between Syria and Iran and all of these things. How nice would it be if one day all we had to worry about on the news 
is that, you know, little peenies cat got stuck in a tree. I mean, how nice <laughs> would that be instead of the war, the famine, the hurricanes, the, you know, the climate change, the, you know, the weaponization of justice departments, whether it's, I mean, there's so much that's going on every day. It's no wonder that people are, you know, they're just walking around shaking their heads. When? When can I put my head out of the stand and hope to see a better world? And when you mention there the weaponization, the true weaponization, which is now being exposed over and over again in these committee hearings, ironically, it's the MAGA Republicans who are trying to say, look, it's Biden who's weaponizing the DOJ, but <laughs> consistently the Democrats are exposing these MAGA Republicans as are uh, we going to forget about what Donald Trump did? That's actually what weaponization did, not what President Biden is doing at all right now. By the way, I'm sure a lot of people in this chat room would love for Biden to weaponize the DOJ. They'd love to say, put this guy in jail immediately. Yeah. Um, but Biden's not doing that. And often when we see these committee hearings, like just now, Cohen, like, like that's why I love doing this show live, because there's breaking news that happens all the time. And oftentimes breaking news about you, but these weaponization, quote-unquote weaponization hearings being held by the MAGA Republicans, you know, Dan Goldman, a former federal prosecutor, now a freshman Congress member from the great state of uh, New York, um, you cited you, said that, want to know what a real example of weaponization is? It's what Trump did to his own lawyer when his own lawyer spoke out against him. He put Cohen in solitary confinement for 51 days because Cohen wanted to release yeah, a book that just Cohen. happened right now. Let's play it from the committee here, and okay. I want to get your response Talk to what Congress member Dan Goldman says. Play the clip. Mr. Chairman, yeah. you have repeatedly said that this committee is all about protecting the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. And what's unfortunate here is that we are talking about Twitter and that we are not talking about Republican government officials around the country who are banning books. And we are not talking about the gentleman you. No, I will not. And we are not talking about Donald Trump jailing his former counsel to prohibit him from publishing a book that the president did not want. The former president literally jailed his enemy. And we're here talking about Twitter. Twitter. And even with Twitter, you cannot find actual evidence of any direct government censorship of any lawful speech. And when I say lawful, I mean non-criminal speech because plenty of Anyone. speech is non-criminal. Cohen, that's about you, your response. So what's my response? My response is thank you, Dan. Thank you for keeping this in play that we're still talking about Trump administration's weaponization of the Justice Department to go against his critic, hence the name of my book, right? Revenge. At the end of the day, and now Dan Goldman to the likes of Congressman Jamie Raskin, right? God bless Jamie Raskin. And then Congressman Steve Cohen, no relation from Tennessee, right? Who also brought it. One of the things that I did when I found out that this subcommittee on government weaponization was coming to fruition, I, I met with my old friend, buddy, lawyer, Jeff Levine, and we penned a letter and attached a whole bunch of documents. And we sent that document right in its entirety to each and every member that was on this new subcommittee asking 
for an opportunity to come in and to confront them. That's what Jeff Levine, my lawyer, wanted. He wanted to go in and to confront them on what he saw, what he knows, what happened when it comes to weaponization. Now, I want to be crystal clear about something, something I've said often, and I'm going to say it again today. If, in fact, that there is weaponization under the Biden administration, they, too, should be held accountable. But just because Republicans say that the Biden administration, or just because Donald Trump says that the Biden administration is weaponizing the Department of Justice or government to go against their critics, doesn't make it, it doesn't make it so. What do we know? Let's talk facts, my friend. And what are the facts here? The facts are that Donald Trump weaponized the Department of Justice using a willing and complicit bloviated attorney general scumbag, Bill fucking Barr, right, in order to go against his critic, namely me, having me lured down to 500 Pearl Street, where they went ahead and they, they remanded me back to Otisville, handcuffed, shackled, threw me into a freezer, then sent me back up to Otisville for another 15 days of solitary confinement because... They didn't want the book disloyal to come out. I mean, how fucked up is that, that this is the United States of America, that this man, this former president, this animal, decided that he was going to use the full power of government to silence a critic and do so in one of the most unethical, unconstitutional, un-American manners possible. So thanks to Dan Goldman and thanks to Steve Cohen and to Congressman Raskin, and by the way, there are others, Hakeem Jeffries and Ted Lou penned a letter almost going on coming close to three years ago, asking for an investigation to be opened up and asking for documents from FOIA. And guess what they've gotten so far? Nothing, right? And then so did Carolyn Maloney. She asked for it, and so did Senator Dick Durbin, who asked that the Inspector General for the IRS open up an investigation into the IRS's action towards me, because there was no, there was no tax evasion. So open up an investigation, get us the documents so that we can see what's going on here. And not one person has received a single document. Question, why? Why? Why is it so hard to get a document that belongs to you and me? And the answer is because any one of those documents would show that the Trump administration managed to weaponize the DOJ and that they did to an American citizen what they did. And there's a bigger picture here, which is, you know, the fact that you will not be able to trust government. You will not be able to trust the Justice Department going further. Unless, of course, we fix it, unless we expose what happened and why and ensure that it never, ever happens again. And that's my journey, my friends. That's what I talk about in the book Revenge. That's what my journey is in order to ensure that what happened to me, the despicable treatment that I have been going through over five years now, never happened to anyone Ever, ever again. And this wallet, I'm still walking this earth. That's my, that's my mission. And I will make sure that it happens. Thank you, brother. One of the topics that MAGA Republicans are bringing up in committee hearings that are taking place right now as, as we are live, the MAGA Republicans are attacking President Biden's hiring practices. And so uh, the Democrat freshman from Florida, Jared Moskowitz, wanted to have a word about Trump's 
hiring practices. Play this clip from moments ago. Wow, what an exciting hearing today. Um, you know, we heard that we should go back to Trump's hiring procedures. Uh, and that, you know, we heard that, you know, we should hire people on merit, you know, like Trump did. Well, certainly wasn't merit when he hired his children into the White House or his stepson, right? Couldn't even get it. I assume you weren't the one who approved Jared Kushner's security clearance when <laughs> security experts said he shouldn't have security clearance. I, I assume that wasn't you. <laughs> Congressman, I wasn't in the administration at that yeah, time. Yeah, no, I, I know. Um, <clears throat> you know, I assume you also weren't the person who hired General Michael Flynn, you know. <laughs> That wasn't your hire. We do career uh, civil service and not political. Right. You, you know, I'm not the only one who thought the hiring procedures from the Trump administration were pretty bad. I mean, one of Trump's own allies just said a couple weeks ago that he loves President Trump, but his HR was horrible. In fact, quite frankly, it's President Trump himself that says, quite frankly, his hiring procedures were quite terrible. John Bolton, who worked in the Trump administration, Trump called him a wacko and a sick puppy. Jeff Sessions, who was hired by Donald Trump, was called mentally unqualified. John Kelly, who was hired by Donald Trump, he said, Trump said he was way over his head. Rex Tillerson, who was hired by Donald Trump, he was dumb as a rock. You know, Nick Mulvaney, who was hired by Donald Trump, says, if there's one criticism that I would level against the president, he didn't hire very well. So, I'm, I'm again perplexed. Here we are yet again at another hearing where we want to talk about, you know, going back to you know, Trump's old, good old days. And now we want to bring back Trump's hiring procedures it's because, you know, they're trying to score some points for you. But, you know, HR wasn't really a strong suit in the Trump administration. Don't listen to me. I, I just listen to Donald Trump. He admits the people he hired were terrible. He hates all of them, in fact, which is an unbelievable sort of event. And so with that, I yield back. Thank you. That is Democratic <laughs> Congress member Jared Moskowitz from Florida's 23rd Congressional District. He had only one bent. He had only one mistake in that entire speech there. Jared's not his stepson. It's his son-in-law. But putting all that aside, everything that this brilliant young man, uh, you know, stated, you know, good for him because he's spot on. He's spot on. I used to sit and talk to people. Let, let me tell you how these people ended up getting to where they were. They were involved with the campaign. They showed loyalty and fealty to the Fuhrer himself. And so as a result, for being so active and helpful in some aspect of Donald's life, we're now going to make them, not ambassadors, we're gonna make them you know, the Secretary of Education, the Secretary of Transportation, the Secretary of Energy. I mean, that's where they all came from. And so are we talking about going to the, as Donald said, the swamp and finding people um, or going to the world and find, throughout the country and finding the best people? No, because after Donald won the election, and, you know, he was now president-elect. He has to fill like 1,500 positions. There were none filled. People go into the election with a book. 
I remember taking from Anthony Scaramucci, Mitt Romney's red book that showed who was going to take what position. And there were multiple names to choose from. The day after the election, after Donald won, all of a sudden everybody's running around handing out to those of us a stack of papers this big that had all of the 1,500 uh, positions on it or so. Asking, write down any names of anybody that you think would be good for that position. That's how it happened. So why do you think, right? Could you imagine that you had Ryan Priebus as chief of staff, the guy that was known throughout the entire campaign as rancid penis? I mean, yeah. that's what people would call him to his face. This yeah. little fuck. That's what they would call him? They would call him rancid penis? Face. Rancid penis. And how would he, <laughs> how would he respond? You can't bury that story. So the people in the White House called rent free. No, people are campaigning to his face. Yes, people during the campaign when he was there after when he became right, and he would still be around the Trump Tower. That's just what he was known as, rants and penis. So does the uh, pause for wow. all right. Go. <laughs> so he'd come in the room, rents previous. Uh, did he? He ran the RNC right for a little bit, rents previous. Correct. So he would he'd come in, and then the people in the Trump campaign would call Rents Priebus. They'd go, hey, here comes Rancid Penis. Hey, Rancid. They would say it to his face? To his face. And they would, would and Trump call him Rancid Penis to his no. face? No. 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 And everybody, that's how he was referred amongst everybody, all of his peers, uh, you know, there. And, and I understand that it also, you know, followed through when he became chief of staff. But my point being that he was with the RNC, it was just an unlikely hire because the guy was incompetent. The only competent guy, well, I shouldn't say the only, one of the most competent was a guy who I had recommended, which was David Shulkin as um, secretary of the VA. And why? Because interestingly enough, despite being a Republican, Barack Obama had him as the um, assistant secretary uh, to the VA. So he had years of experience. He's also a medical doctor and he cares about veterans. In fact, he's the only one out of the entire crew that received a hundred votes um, for confirmation. So it just goes to show you that the group of people, for the most part, that were there were incompetent. And not when I say incompetent as far as the field that they had come from, many of them were actually quite successful, like a Lou DeJoy, right, who had a very successful company that did, uh, what, what is it, um, you know, strategic moving of, um, of properties and stuff like that. And so they thought that he would be a great fit for the Postal Service, but he was not. In fact, his company is in direct conflict with the Postal Service because, you know, they sort of, they're, they're sort of frenemies. And it's just, again, the entire hiring practice, this guy Moskowitz is spot on, the entire hiring process that was handled by the Trump administration, it's exactly why the Trump administration failed in creating anything. Because each and every one of these people were in it for themselves. I was going to Google if that was an exclusive scoop we had here on the Midas Touch Network that Rents Priebus' nickname was Rancid Penis. So I was about to Google it. I thought better than to Google that. I'll just accept that we've got the exclusive scoop here. But talking about bad hiring practices, 
Ivanka Trump, who was an official advisor, uh, she was getting paid by taxpayers in her capacity as an official advisor. And more significantly, her and Jared Kushner made nearly a billion dollars while they were both in positions of uh, public trust and and public power and and official public uh, positions. But it's now being reported. Well, I mean, she made a filing, so that's why it's being reported. But in the New York Attorney General's uh, fraud, civil fraud lawsuit that's set to go to trial October second uh, of 2023. Ivanka Trump is basically saying, "Look, you can go to trial with my other family members on that date, but I should be treated differently here because all of those statement of financial conditions, I wasn't a part of that. I wasn't working for the Trump Organization in 2017. I did it since 2017, so I didn't sign things. Those accusations." okay to go after my family but get me out of this lawsuit or at least as it relates to me do a separate trial against me or, or move move me to a later time period you had mentioned on the last episode that separately donald trump through his lawyer alina Habba, i guess is still representing him also requested a six-month delay the judge arthur Engoron, has previously stated come hell or high water a direct quote from Judge Arthur Ngoron. This case is going to trial October 2nd of 2023. Ngoron, back in February, reaffirmed that sentiment. Tish James had always been saying they're trying to delay, delay, delay. But what do you make of Ivanka's move here? Do you think she's coordinating this with the other Trumps to kind of help them and use herself as an excuse to try to blow up the trial? Or do you think maybe she's actually legitimately throwing them under the bus? No, this is a legitimate throw under the bus because, look, the kids are all in competition with one another as well. You know, she ends up marrying Jared Kushner, who Charlie Kushner, Jared's father, was a very successful billionaire himself in his own right. They elected to step away to go to work as senior advisors in the Trump administration, despite everyone, mine included, everyone's, um, you know, recommendation to Donald that they not do that. They can go to D.C. and spend time with him. That's fine. But to be special advisors, it, so it violates the whole nepotism law. But they didn't care. And you're right. They ended up, I believe, the number that I heard they made during their four years, there was like $600 million. But on top of that, Jared used his relationship with the Saudis to not only end up bailing out 666 Fifth Avenue, the single worst real estate deal ever done in the history of New York, (laughs) bailed out this scenario that would have bankrupted his daddy's company, but on top of that, manages to get a $2 billion influx of capital to a hedge fund that he just starts with a two and 20, 2% you know, fee and 20% of the profit, despite the fact that the Saudi Investment Authority um, Board of, of um, Directors all stated emphatically that this kid is not capable of handling or he's not the, he's not the right fit for handling our money. He just has no experience and that there's, they, they were all against giving this money until oh, um, literally Mohammed bin Salman turned around and said, I don't care what my finance committee says, send the money to Kushner. 
So if you really want to figure out what the fuck is going on here, why in the world would Mohammed bin Salman, after his finance committee for the Saudi Investment Authority, tell him... Political beatdown! Exclamation point with Michael Cohen. Just posted minutes ago. Exclamation point. Jared is a bad idea, still goes ahead and does it? I mean, really? Somebody has to give me the answer to that one. And as far as Jared and Ivanka potentially being the inside leak to the FBI and for the raid and for the Mar-a-Lago documents, that wouldn't shock me either. Because the two of them, they only care about the money. And if that means that the father, the brother, the other brother, everybody else goes under. As long as they're continuing to build their $60 million home in South Florida, as long as that they have the ability to financially do anything and everything that they want, that's all that they care about. There's no love amongst the kids for each other. There's no love for the father. He's basically a means to an end for all of them. The same holds true for Don. The same holds true for Eric and for Lara and for the whole clan of the cave bears. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> let's talk as much as you can. And I know there are restrictions. I know there are limitations because you are a witness in the Manhattan District Attorney's uh, ongoing criminal investigation into Donald Trump. For everybody out there, there is a criminal grand jury that is impaneled uh, in New York that is hearing evidence. This isn't like a special grand jury, that procedure that apparently exists in Georgia where it makes recommendations and then you have to have an actual grand jury that has the power to criminally indict. Nope. In New York, the Manhattan District Attorney has impaneled a grand jury that actually has the power to indict. It's heard at least from five witnesses that we know of, people who are uh, close to Donald Trump, people, some people who have testified at the previous Trump Organization trial. We know that Hope Hicks has met with the Manhattan District Attorney. We know Elliott Conway has met with the Manhattan District Attorney. We know Cohen has met with the Manhattan District Attorney 19 times. Cohen broke that news on the last political beatdown earlier in the week. And again, I know there are limitations, but is there anything you can tell us um, that maybe hasn't been reported now. anywhere else or at a high level, anything you can tell us? So what I will tell you is I am going back again tomorrow. That'll be number 20. Uh, tomorrow is a, you know, com a full day. I will be there, not a half day, but I will be there for a full day. Um, going over all of the testimony again, um, you know, with the district attorney's, uh, you know, team. And from there, we will see, you know, what happens. Got to pause. Hi there. We're back with Political Beatdown. Michael Cohen just posted minutes ago. But I have famously said, and I stand by that statement, I do believe that Alvin Bragg, the unlikely scenario is that Alvin Bragg will be the very first to bring the indictment against Trump. And I've said that all along, even when there was nothing going on. I always felt that if there was going to be the first indictment that I would believe it would be the district attorney of New York State. Um, you know, remember that our unsinkable attorney general, and I love calling her that because that's what Tish James is. She's unsinkable and unstoppable. At the end of the day, 
you know, she's going to financially wreck Donald for, you know, the uh, inflation and deflation of his assets and so on. But I do believe that it will be the district attorney of New York that will be first in line as it relates to... I really uh, don't know. So, as we say, what Blue Gators, time it was. stand back and stand by because shit's getting real. <laughs> It is getting real, and it gets real each and every political beatdown that we do. Michael Cohen always love doing this show with you. No one says it. Michael Cohen thinks that Alvin Bragg will be the first prosecutor to indict Trump. Exclamation point. Everybody go subscribe to Midas Tedge. More real, more honestly, and more in the Cohen-esque way than, of course, the original, the OG, Michael the OG. Cohen. Michael Cohen, thanks so much. Thank oh, you wait, all. And great to be with you. And all the Brigaders. Make sure you check out Michael Cohen's book, Revenge, wherever books are sold and wherever audio books are sold. How Donald Trump weaponized the Department of Justice I really don't know. Critics Real. Revenge. Make sure you subscribe Whoa, right now to the Midas Touch YouTube. Likey, likey. I'm already a Patreon. Me, thousands of lonely women. <laughs> there we go. Top host destroys Fox posts. And take down of the year. Huh. Brian Tyler Cohen, four days ago. Americans in need of dental work can claim a $5,400 health voucher approved by Biden. co-conspirators in January 6th insurrection. Got the host of the Mehdi Hassan Show on Peacock and MSNBC and the author of the new book, Win Every Argument, The Art of Debating, Persuading, and Public Speaking, Mehdi Hassan. Mehdi, thanks for coming back on. Very thanks smart guy. So I want to start with this because I think this is your element here. We found out recently that Fox was knowingly spewing bullshit about... Super smart guys, both of you! Exclamation point. Uh huh. I really don't know. Twenty election, thanks to discovery in the Dominion trial. What's your message, not just to Fox, but Fox viewers, in light of this? Uh-huh. You're being lied to. That's what the evidence tells us. You are being lied to by Fox hosts who say one thing in private and one thing in public. One thing to each other on text and another thing on air when the cameras are rolling. And Brian, you and I, we are uh, condemned as members of the fake news press, of the liberal media. We're often seen by the right as people uh, who look down on conservative voters. We disrespect uh, people in the red states. Um, We don't value them. And I just think to myself, no one has more disrespect, no one has more contempt for Republican voters than Republican cable hosts. And that's what's become clear from these revelations, that they have no problem lying to their viewers, pushing this big lie, because that's what they thought their viewers wanted to hear, so they indulge them with this conspiracy nonsense. There are texts between Tucker and his producer where Tucker Carlson is saying, I don't really want to do this, but you know, that's what the producer like the best what they want to hear. So they, they tell them what they want to hear, and in private they say stuff like, Sidney Powell, the crazy ex-Trump lawyer, who the viewers on Fox and Newsmax wanted to hear at the time. In private, Ingram, Tucker, Hannity are all saying, she's crazy. And we know, by the way, that even those Fox hosts knew that their audience believed them because they said it in text as well. And so every single piece of this points to the fact that these people were knowingly lied to. And yet the irony of all of this is that those viewers still won't know. 
because the same people who they trust to deliver them this actual fake news aren't going to deliver them the actual news of the fact that, you know, they were they lied were to. lied to during this election. <laughs> so that's the irony of all this. The gatekeepers are the people yeah. who are lying themselves. And so that information will never get back to the people who need to know it most. It's so true. And it's something that really bothers me, has bothered me since at least 2015, 2016, uh, that a lot of Americans are in this bubble and there's no way to get through to them and say, uh, you're being lied to, you're being conned. Uh, these are a bunch of uh, you know, on the right right now, the Canadian conservative <laughs> movement is mainly conspiracy theorists and theorists who are making money off of you. And we saw that with, you know, Trump voters who send, you know, there was that story about them ticking the box or not ticking the box and their donations being taken from their bank accounts and all sorts of stories uh, about how they've been exploited by both Republican leadership and Fox hosts, uh, Fox hosts who are just interested in ratings. We know that they were worried about Newsmax taking viewers from them in the immediate wake of the November 2020 election. And so they doubled down on the big lie, which they knew not to be true. They continue, Tucker Carlson continues to push the big lie even though we've seen what he said in private. And they don't have the guts to talk about it on air, at least when the texts to Mark Meadows were leaked from Fox hosts. Remember those texts to Mark Meadows, uh, which I think CNN obtained uh, on January the 6th, where they're saying, call off the mob, call off the mob, tell, tell your father to stop, tell your boss to stop. They're texting Don, they're texting the kid, they're texting the chief of staff, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, at least those texts, they kind of tried to address on air that night and in subsequent nights. These texts, it's silent. Out in the ether, yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm still holding on hope that my Trump NFTs are going to appreciate double, triple in value. So, uh, so we'll see what happens on that. Front. You haven't been con, Brian. Yeah, I feel good about it. Um, Mehdi, you were featured in an op-ed in The Guardian where you said that uh, Biden's the most impressive president in my lifetime. First, I want to ask why. But second, you know, there is this inclination among progressives, and I would argue that you know it's fair to say you're arguably the most progressive host on cable. There's this inclination to traditionally like attack the Democrats for not being progressive enough. Basically always to tack left because, you know, to coddle the party is basically a concession to the establishment and it undermines your progressive bona fides. Is that something that you've wrestled at all with? It's a problem in our polarized era where people want politics in the form of a football game. So there is this kind of team sport. Um, I think we saw it recently with the East Palestine situation with Pete Buttigieg. So, for example, I think there's a lot of criticisms of the Biden administration and of Buttigieg, both on um, uh, both on regulation going back to the Obama era and on their handling of it as a PR issue, their hand, the messaging around it. And I think that's a problem. On the other hand, because Fox ridiculously bashed Buttigieg, give Trump a pass, involve homophobia, a lot of liberals immediately want to defend Buttigieg. So immediately an issue like East Palestine becomes partisan. It's you defend Pete Buttigieg and the honor of the Biden administration. Or are you defending Trump who went to the town? And my problem is, no, there's enough blame to go around. Of course, Trump did a lot of awful things. Of course, Elaine Chow never turned up to, uh, you know, train derailments. But we should also be able to say, is the Biden administration doing enough on this stuff? Is the transportation secretary doing the right thing? Have. Was it right for no senior official to turn up? And I mean, the EPA chief went, but who the hell knows who the EPA chief went? The Republicans were the ones uh, who deregulated all that shit under the Trump administration. So... Apparently that's why that happened, but, you know, that's, who the fuck knows? It could also be a, um, you know, it could be a strike. You know, China, China, or uh, Russia, Russia, Russia.
as a vice president transportation secretary. They, they, they didn't leave an open goal for Trump to turn up and pretend to care about these kind of quote unquote left behind people. So I think examples like that are common nowadays where immediately a new story becomes partisan lines. Now, I'm not going to do a both sides here. The right is a cult. The right treats Donald Trump, uh, you know, as a cult leader. I don't think liberals at that point around Biden, Harris or anyone else. Um, no no, no vote parades for Joe Biden? No, no there's no, been no vote parades for Joe Biden or, or gold statues. Do you remember the gold statue? Literally like Moses style. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a gold statue taken around one of the CPAC, one of the conferences. Yeah. But look, but there is a huge amount of partisanship. Let's not deny that. And those of us who are on TV, on opinion channels, opinion shows, we're expected to often by some viewers just only attack one side. And I don't do that. I hold power to account. Uh, obviously, I see the Republican Party and the right as the biggest threat to American democracy, to our climate, to our environment. I get that. But the Biden administration is in power. We should be able to critique them, as I do, on issues like asylum, on issues like the closeness to big business, etc. Now, having said that, let's go back to your earlier question. Joe Biden, I did say, is the most impressive president of my lifetime. I got attacked by people on the right and left. Interestingly, people on the right saying, oh, you're a clown because they hate Biden. They think he's the worst. They think every Democratic president is the worst ever. And people on the left, they think, oh, you just sold out when you joined corporate media because Biden's not lefty enough. Cool. Of course he's not lefty enough. He's nowhere near lefty enough for me. The point of that comment is to say he's way more left than I thought he would be. Not just Top in policy destroys you know, Fox hosts and take down of the year. No, Cohen. sorry. American Rescue Plan, bipartisan infrastructure package, the CHIPS Act, the Inflation Reduction Act. These are huge pieces of legislation. Most presidents would be happy with one or two of them. He got four or five of them through, despite having these Republican obstructionists and Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. That's, those are huge achievements. Let's not beat around the bush. Um, so I would say that, but also it's not just legislatively, Brian. Even the small things, or what people would call small things, I think are big things. Biden was asked to go on Fox News with Brett Baer, and I say Fox News, quote, unquote. I prefer to call it Fox. It's not news, as we just discussed. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. Every president does that Super Bowl interview. Uh, I think Barack Obama did it with Bill O'Reilly, if memory serves me correctly. I don't think any previous Democratic president would stand up to Fox in that way. Even that, I think, is, whoa, that impresses me. Now, is there a lot more Joe Biden should be doing, especially on issues like immigration, especially on issues like Israel-Palestine, especially on issues like COVID, right? I think he started well and then went downhill. Um, yes. But is he the most impressive president of my lifetime? Yes. I agree with you. I, I'm, I also think that I'm of the mind that we are much, much better served by cheering on our successes as opposed to complaining about everything we don't get. Because we know that the right is just going to attack Joe Biden and attack Democrats. And so if he's getting attacked by the right and the left, then it's only negative coverage of him. And then we well, turn around and wonder why, why Republicans win and Democrats lose. I... Flipboard Health. We've built a system that allows you to choose your shift and schedule and get paid faster than at traditional jobs. You get to choose when you want to work, where you'll work, and how much you want to work. You'll get information about each facility you'll be working at. We also make sure you get paid as quickly as possible after you've completed a shift. The need for quality healthcare professionals like you will always be there. With Clipboard Health, we'll help you find what you're looking for. When facing a cancer diagnosis, you deserve innovative cancer care. Including your own team of highly trained experts. Cutting edge treatment options and access to new therapies through clinical trials. You also deserve exceptional care that is close to home. It's important to have your family with you and to feel comfortable in the setting. 
At Cancer and Blood Specialists of Arizona, we're here to support you and your family through every step of the cancer journey. From your very first appointment, From your very to first the last round of targeted treatment, every interaction is focused on your experience and well-being. Welcome to The you? Political Beatdown with Michael ago. Cohen and Ben Micellis yes. on today's show. We're going to cover some of the latest updates on the Manhattan District yeah. Attorney's nice. criminal investigation of Donald Trump, or Ooh. as much as Michael Cohen right. can possibly uh, talk about. There have been more MAGA Republican hearings, which also means more MAGA Republican humiliation. They've held these additional hearings on weaponization. They held the hearing on wokeness. And look, Democrats are actually doing a pretty good job exposing this nonsense and this MAGA Republican anti-American agenda. We'll talk about that on the show. Ivanka Trump throwing her family under the bus. Not really a shocker. And the New York Attorney General's fraud lawsuit set to go to trial on October 2nd. When it comes to our democracy, whatever, but when it comes to money, that's when the Trumps will really start throwing each other under the bus. And we got to talk about some of the new filings that have been unsealed in the Dominion $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against Fox, including text messages where behind the scenes Tucker Carlson was saying things like, I hate Donald Trump passionately, um, but saying he has to spread the election disinformation so that he could keep his ratings. This is the political beatdown. Cohen, how are you? Oh, man, how you doing there, Ben? Hello to the brigade. All right. Hope everybody is doing well. Um, it is hard to imagine that for how long we were listening to Fox News talk about you know, how the election was stolen from Donald and how these Dominion voting machines were changing the determination from the Trump to the Biden count and the whole nonsense that was going on. When at the end of the day, what did we really learn? We learned that none of them believed any of the bullshit that they were spewing. In essence, they were lying to their viewers, something you will never get here from Ben and I. You will never hear us lie to you about the pol in the, on the political beatdown. Everything that we tell down. you is backed up by fact, and not our fact, legitimate fact. I mean, we all know that Dominion had absolutely nothing to do with it. Fox, Fox's head, Rupert and Lachlan Murdoch, knew that they were lying. Everyone was more concerned about stock prices than they were about truth, especially as it relates to our democracy. I mean, this is just an absolute disgrace. And if this, if their behavior doesn't remind you exactly of the shit that took place in the very first season of uh, The Handmaid's Tale, then I really don't know what does. So look, the, the text messages between Tucker and his producer behind the scenes while they're lying and spreading the election disinformation on screen behind the screen tucker's communications with his producer frankly look like they could be my communications with you or like any of my friends about what we're actually talking about so when you pull up these text messages for example where they're talking about one of these giuliani press conferences right and the producer saying to him the press conference has gotten worse and then Tucker responds, I keep hearing that so bad. 
I really want to ignore it. Sidney Powell and Rudy are fucking liars. It, it, and then some of the stuff's redacted. And then the producer's making fun of the conspiracy theories that Tucker spreads on air. And the producer goes, by my count so far, the election was stolen by a coalition of Soros and Nicolas Maduro, various software companies, and small-time gangsters. I'm not making any of that up. And Tucker's response, it's all so desperate and deranged at the same time. Then the producer's like, I left out the Cuba and China connection. And then you've got Tucker going, and Rudy's hair color has been dripping along his face for 40 minutes. It's still happening. Big, long lines. Then you go to the next series. He then texts the producer the photo of Giuliani. His sweat is dripping. Temporary hair color. My mind is blown. They are mocking the people behind the scenes. And that's not to mention this other one where he goes, I hate Trump. I hate him passionately. Look, look at the messages. He goes, I hate Trump passionately. I blew up at Peter Navarro today in frustration. I actually like Peter, but I can't handle any to handle much more of this. This is what is really going on. It's 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 sad that they are just such freaking liars. Yeah, and what's sad is that it's not just that they were liars. The fact that they're the viewers, they believe them. That's the whole thing. And it's like, you know, you lie about something and you lie about it with or by people who have um, reputations. And then all of a sudden, the people who are watching them start to believe it. And then they start to promote the same lie. And then it becomes like a snowball down the hill, right? And then it becomes this gigantic avalanche of bullshit that's just completely out of control. It's really fucked up, to say the least. I, I, I couldn't agree more with you there. Um, tell yeah, me something, oh, though, Ben. So tell me, how is it then, now that Fox bullshit is out of the bag, how is it possible that Rupert, Lacklin, or any of the people on the board of Fox News, how come they haven't already gotten rid of, you know, uh, Laura Ingraham or Tucker fucker Carlson or Sean Hannity? How are they still on the air? How is it that anybody is still watching them? even after knowing that they bold-faced fucking lied to you about something as important as democracy. I don't understand anybody that's watching that show. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, everyone who's on that board needs to be very, very, very nervous, um, especially with the outcome of this uh, Dominion trial, because uh -huh. to your point, they're supposed to exercise some modicum of independent judgment and in exercising that independent judgment, how do you not only have a situation where you're aware of these lies and you do nothing, but on the same week where we're learning about this, you've got Tucker spreading these disgusting and despicable conspiracy, conspiracy <laughs> theories by selectively editing the footage that Kevin McCarthy gave him. Like It's kind of the perfect storm, if you will, that these Dominion... Uh, filings are coming out the exact same week that Tucker and Kevin McCarthy entered into their deal where Tucker showing all this disinformation and trying to act like the January 6th insurrection was this like peaceful, enjoyable event. <laughs> And, and and the con the contrast couldn't be more clear. But that trial. When, when, is, when are we when are we going to see 
somebody from Fox. When are we going to see maybe Rupert Murdoch himself apologize for the misinformation, disinformation, malinformation that his company, that his news organization was spewing. I mean, do you think that we're ever going to see anybody take ownership for the lies and the promotion of these lies? I don't think so. And then on top of it, to receive these 41,000 plus hours and then have them clip them down into 7, 10, 20, 30 seconds clips so that now you have all of these defense counsel claiming that without all without us being able to view all of the information that exists on these 40,000 plus hours of surveillance tape we're not going to be able to effectively right represent our clients as best as we can regardless of the fact that many of them have already pled guilty to the charges that have been brought against them, seditious conspiracy, et cetera, um, you know, in acting improperly on the capital grounds, uh, breaking an entry, destruction of government property, whatever. All of a sudden, they're showing like a seven, eight, ten second clip of the guy just walking down. Yeah, but they don't show what happens before or after. So it's just selective cutting of this of these tapes. It's really the whole thing is just truly despicable. It would be like showing video footage of a 9-11 uh, hijacker, or a terrorist, when they were at the airport eating peanuts. And then basically, you see, they were eating peanuts here. It's like, well, that doesn't mean that they that the entire time they were engaged in the like, what are you talking about? But to your point about the board of Fox, you know, Paul Ryan, former Speaker of the House, who was complicit with all of Trump's criminality and was super weak then, his nickname should just be complicit because this is what he is uh, uh, text messaging. We have his messages on December 6, 2020. And he like is saying that there's something wrong, but he doesn't do anything. He doesn't resign. Right. And he gives them the cover that they want. Fox wants in this case, the same way that he gave Trump the cover that Trump wanted, um, you know, his, because he has like no shame like look at what paul ryan was saying december 6 2020 and by the way he's saying he's making good points here but watch what he's saying he goes morning guys exclamation point happy to chat trump if you want i think we are entering a truly bizarre phase of this where he has actually convinced himself of this farce and will do more bizarre things to delegitimize the election i see this as a key inflection point for fox where the right thing and the smart business thing to do line up nicely. A solid pushback, including editorial and his business calls for overturning electors, will undoubtedly accrue pushback and possibly momentary rating tips, but will clearly rebound to our benefit in terms of credibility. Trump is going to wear thin and look crazier by the day. Let him cleave off the fringe for his venture, and we can keep the largest pool of people. The center and center right. Fox is stronger than he is now. And later, in my opinion, just a few thoughts at this pivotal time. Best Paul Ryan. But here's the thing, Cohen. If you believe that, that's not just like a, hey guys, how are you? What do you think about this traitor and us committing defamation every day? <laughs> if you're part of an organization that does that, and you make a statement the way Paul Ryan does, and then your organization does the opposite, you don't work at the organization anymore. You quit. You say, I'm done. I'm out. That's what you're supposed to do. But that's why Paul Ryan now, who's getting screamed at by Trump and getting mocked, now he's also on the hook and liable in Fox. 
And this is exactly what he did in the Trump administration. You, is it something psychological with these country club no. Republicans that they just no. can't speak up? What, you know, they're just traitors? No, it's, not, it's more than that. It's even grosser than that. My belief, it's all about the money. Right? Or as they say, it's all about the Benjamins. That's all that they get. Paul Ryan never saw the kind of money that he's seeing as a member of the board of Fox. Right? You're seeing Tucker Carlson making, what, 20, 30 million? You got Hannity making 40s. You got Laura Ingraham making big, gigantic dollars as well. They don't give a shit about the truth. Fuck the truth. The truth doesn't matter as long as I'm able to buy another house. I'm able to upgrade my airplane every few years. Or, you know, stock another Ferrari, Lamborghini, or, you know, whatever it might be in our garage, in our second, third home. That's all they care about. And if you, you fucking sucker who is listening to me, wants to buy this shit, believe it so that I can keep, you know, making more and more money, so be it. And that's what they said. We're worried about our viewers. We're worried about our viewers not sticking with us and running off to Newsmax, which is another garbage organization that we're worried about them going there as, and then losing our advertising dollars and so on. I mean, that's all that this is about. It's almost like selling a product that you know is going to kill the user, but you don't care because you use it. It's very much like the opioid you know, crisis with the family. I forget what, they, what their last name was again. Um, they, had, they had the great um, you know, show, I think it was on Netflix, uh, where they talked about how they knew that the opioids, that OxyContin was going to kill people and addict them to it. Instead of pulling back and stopping and letting people know what's going on, they got doctors to double and triple and quadruple the dosage, right? And I say this because two of my best friends, my oldest friends in the world, both died as a result of it. This is exactly this the is same shit. New. They don't care about the viewer. They don't Fuck. care about the user. All they care about is how much money that they could put in their pocket. The Sackler is the name, Sackler. by the way. Yeah. It's the Sackler family, yeah. Sackler family. And and some of the journalists and reporters, if you want to even call it that at this point, who work at Fox, who are going and speaking on background, who claim they work in the news division. And they've been talking to a bunch of media outlets. They spoke, for example, to uh, the Daily Beast. And to your point about Newsmax and the fear of losing viewers to Newsmax, someone who works in the Fox so-called news division said on background to the Daily Beast, quote, the biggest eye-opener of all of this is the paranoia at the highest levels of the company, that an upstart like Newsmax can even be in the same arena as Fox for them. This is Fox. Dude, Fox News, like we have a huge infrastructure nationwide, so many resources that something like a Newsmax just cannot even come close to matching. And to think that they were so concerned about losing market share to someone like Newsmax and to go so far as to report these conspiracy theories on air, that to me is the most revealing of all of this, that people in positions of power, Rupert Murdoch, Lachlan Murdoch, Suzanne Scott, the CEO of Fox, all of them. They were actually genuinely concerned and paranoid without pandering to the Trump base and entertaining the lies that they would actually crumble as a business. And look, for all you people, too, though, who are speaking on background and still taking your check from Fox, I got news for you, too. Like, you're complicit. I appreciate you sharing that view with the Daily Beast and others, but you're being used as the prop 
for the thing that you're criticizing so they can go, oh, look, we have news people here. But really, they lean into their propaganda shows in the evening hours. But Ben, remember something, too. And Sophie, if you could find the clip, Sean Hannity turning around and making the statement that, you know, I'm not a journalist. I'm an entertainer. I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a talk show host. I think is the exact words that he used. No, you're not a talk show host if you are on a Fox News channel, because that's what Fox is portraying themselves to be. So anybody that's there technically should be telling the truth, but we don't see anybody anymore, you know, really talking about the truth from so many of, you know, these Republican uh, politicians all the way to, and when I say we're not seeing any of them, I'm talking about on the, on the far right side, we don't see any truth. I mean, you start to see committees coming out now, like the subcommittee on weaponization of government. <clears throat> Talk about a fucking farce. They're sitting there and they're worried about something that happened on Twitter that dealt with. was, again, under the Biden administration. Well, if you call getting 135,000 people out of Afghanistan, which is a freaking war zone and has been for over four decades, well, I don't know, maybe I disagree with you. And does my heart go out to the 13 service members that died? It absolutely does. But that was done by some lunatic who was wearing a, you know, an explosive device on one of those, um, you know, one of those vests, he was you asking. can't stop that, especially not when you're extricating your You're trying to jump barbed wire fences. I don't know what was going on there, but 135,000 plus people ex were extricated by this administration, by the Biden administration, and I would turn around and I would say, well, you know, that that's a resounding success. But you hear the exact opposite, and everybody wants to fight you. You know, you turn around, you talk about the benefits that Biden administration has done, getting the COVID vaccine into people's arms, or the you know COVID relief package, or any of the other. What did they say? Twenty-three bipartisan things that the Biden administration has accomplished. Not good enough. Not good enough. You know why? Because Biden sneezed when he was coming down the steps of, you know, uh, Air Force One. Therefore, it's a massive, you know, doom and gloom situation. It's really become a complete and utter joke. Here's the clip of Sean Hannity where he says that he is not a journalist. Play the clip. President, so keep speculating. Nobody in the media has any idea of who my sources are, who they're not, and who I talk to, who I don't talk to. And I will not reveal my sources. And all these hate Trump media outlets, they, they all pretend they're, they're unbiased, that they're, they're journalists. Well, I'm, I don't claim to be a journalist. We do journalism. What we say about being a talk show host, we're like the whole newspaper. Now, we do straight news when there's a war, straight news on weather, straight news on important, you know, incidences that are happening, like Ferguson when that was happening, or... or 
Baltimore. And then we give a lot of opinion. So we're the news page, the editorial page, the opinion page. We even do gossip and sports. Like tonight, for example, Tim Tebow's on. So we're like the whole newspaper. That's what we do, freedom of the press. But we identify what we do. Now, we do our own research, like we did with vetting Obama, like we do on the deep state. We do investigations. We bring you news and information you won't hear or see anywhere else, an opinion you won't get anywhere else. But all these hate Trump news people that claim to be journalists, no, they're really editorial writers. Cohen. talk show host and what that means are we're the whole newspaper again mm -hmm. it's it, it makes absolutely no sense what the guy is saying So what I'm doing right now is I'm uploading comedy clips. I do these ads for Tony Michaels. This Yo, real got 1.2k. So how Please do I don't share this? Okay, two. Let's see. Mm, looking at looking at the teens or 1.2k comedy. 
Create real. Okay. All he was doing was, you know, pandering to Trump because it benefited him. It benefited his ratings. It benefited the amount of money that he was making based off of advertising, like from this moron Mike Lindell and his stupid fucking company, uh, that pillow shit. I mean, that's <laughs> all that this is about. This is all about them making more money, more money, and more money. That's it. Plain and simple. You used to know Hannity. Yeah. Would, would he, like, brag about how rich he is? Would he, like, like were, were any of these signs there? When, when you, like, like, when you would speak to him, about you know that and then other personal things about family and so on look i get it everybody wants to make as much money as they can and god bless everybody should and i hope everybody makes as much money to keep them and their families you know safe and happy and healthy and well-fed and well-clothed and whatever else it is that that they need but it's another thing when you're selling something right in this case it's bullshit lies but it's not just bullshit lies. It's bullshit lies that are destructive to our democracy. That basically you're like, well, I don't give a shit. At the end of the day, if democracy falls, you know, the day after I die, it didn't matter because I had a wonderful life. I had multiple homes. I had my own airplane. I had multiple cars. I had, I was taking trips whenever I want. I have a shit ton of money in the bank. That's just not selfish. It's stupid because look, how many times have you heard me say this, Ben? If you have a strong America, you have a strong world. If you have a weak America, you have a weak world. And one of the things that America was doing is... Let's see, videos. Okay. The Obama so. administration is we were trying to be the best that we could be worldwide. And then along comes, you know, the Trump hit in the
sense, oh, we're going to build the wall, and who's going to pay for it? And you have these these soaps that finally learn something. Oh, they all start screaming Mexico and applauding, and every time the guy burps the fart or sneezes, it's like the greatest burp fart sneeze that they've ever heard, so they applaud this jackass. Next thing you know, it's the promotion of lies, misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. Even when Donald himself knew, like with COVID, that he knew that it was dangerous, that it was going to kill people. But what did he say? Oh, we don't it was a Democrat hoax. Really? You don't want to cause fear. It's why every parent who has half a brain puts one of those plastic covers in the electric socket when you have a brand new child so that when they're walking around, they don't stick their fingers into the electrical socket because you care about that child's future. If Donald cared about any single one of us, he would have let us know that the coronavirus was more dangerous than what he was purporting. Oh, don't worry. Have you ever a dream that you can do what you want? Won't you ever a dream that you can do what you want? Won't you? You can do it. Have you ever a dream? Have a dream that you can do what you want? Do you feel it? some people from the flu, but don't worry, it's going to be over in a few days. Go back to work. Don't change your life. A million Americans died. And does this guy take any responsibility for that? In fact, does he take responsibility for anything? And the answer is a resounding no. Michael, I want to give you my theory on Tucker Carlson's villain origin story. So when he was struggling around 2002 2003 
um, to really make a name for himself. He looked at that time to Bill O'Reilly, who was the big host at Fox. And what Tucker thought about Bill O'Reilly was that O'Reilly's just playing this part. He's lying to the base. He knows that he's lying. But look how successful Bill O'Reilly is. And uh, this old video footage of Tucker resurfaced where he's talking about O'Reilly, but he may as well be talking about the Tucker we now know. Hey, sexy lady. I Today. So let's play this video that's recently resurfaced of Tucker Carlson from 2003. So this is the first video I want to show you. Then I have one more for you, but play this clip. Another quote from your book, Bill O'Reilly's success is built on the perception that he really is who he claims to be. If he ever gets caught out of character, it's over. That's right. I, I, I say before that, that, you know, Bill O'Reilly's really talented. He's more talented than I am. You know, he's got a lot more viewers than I do. He's a better communicator than I am. Uh, but I think there's kind of a deep phoniness at the center of his shtick. Uh, and again, as I say, the shtick is sort of built on this perception that he is the character he plays. He is every man. This kind of po he's not right wing. He's a populist. This kind of Irish Catholic populist fighting for you against the powers that be. And for not bringing his champagne fast enough, or barking at you know, one of his subordinates to take the, you know, brown M&Ms out of my bowl and get me a bottle of Evian or something like that. The second that makes page six, it's over, right? Because the whole thing is predicated on the fact that he is who he says he is. And just nobody is that person, especially not somebody who makes a million dollars, you know, or many millions a year. As he does. You see at the very end when he goes, especially someone who makes many millions of dollars at the year. And then I want to show you this one other clip because... Around that time, Tucker hosted a show on CNN called Crossfire, and Tucker played the part of kind of a moderate Republican who would take that position. And they did this live show at the George Washington University, which coincidentally, I was at that live show. Um, that was that was family weekend at Crossfire at George Washington University, and Tucker gets utterly humiliated by John Stewart. And that's the moment where Tucker, that you just saw, you'll see him get humiliated. You'll see the look where he was like, I'm just going to become a rabid fascist liar. And that's my path to success because I can't compete intellectually with someone like a John Stewart on facts. Play this clip. Special effort to come on the show today because I have mentioned...
Right. Oh, wait, here we go. So right now I'm taking stills. Oh, as being uh, uh, bad. <laughs> it's not so much that it's bad as it's hurting America. <laughs> so I, I wanted to but come here today let me, and say, wait, wait, I just, let me, here, here, here's just one, what I wanted to tell you guys. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> stop, 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 stop hurting America. I watch your show every day. And it kills me. I can tell you a lot. It's it. so, oh, it's so painful to watch. Your partisan, um, what do you call it, hacks. Wait, Sean, wait. Like, let me, let me, you have a responsibility to the public discourse. And you, you fail miserably. I think you're a good comedian. I think your lectures are boring. Hey, you're on CNN. Say. My, the show that leads into me is puppets making crank phone calls. <laughs> what is wrong with you? It's someone who watches your show and cannot take it anymore. I just can't you fail miserably, I think. You need to go to one. Now, this is theater. I mean, it's, it's it obvious. Is, no, no, it, How old are you? 35. And you wear a bow tie. Yeah, I do. I do. So, I hate so, so at all. I, I, mean, I do think you're more fun on your show. Uh, just my opinion. But can, can okay, you, just, next, John Stewart goes, one on one with fans. You're as big a dick on your show as you are on any show. There you have it. Right there. Yeah. You know, and the part that's the most disappointing when it comes to somebody like Tucker Carlson, my understanding, and you can all Google it yourself, but Tucker Carlson's family is somehow affiliated that he is um, part of the Swanson uh, family. You know, the Swanson company, they do the fish uh, and so on. So this is not somebody that wasn't born with, you know, money, with a silver spoon in his mouth, so to speak. This is a guy who came from, you know, from a family with real means. And the fact that he's willing to do the things that he's doing, all in search of what? The greater amount of money so that he could now turn around and boast to the rest of his family and say, hey, look at me. I'm willing to fuck up American democracy for the almighty dollar that, by the way, we already had and that we already have and my trust fund will continue to give. I don't understand. I don't understand people like this. Again, I understand the concept of making money. I made money. I want, you know, that was something that was important to me as it's important to just about everybody. But I'm not willing to do result of Trump. So when all of these haters want to turn around and say, oh, you were nothing until Donald came along, that's absolutely not true at all. And again, if you read either of my books, Disloyal or Revenge, you'll understand the truth. So it's there, there's a personal scenario where you have to say, I need to think now more about the country, more about the future, more about my children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren and great-great-great-grandchildren and generations to come that I need to think about my own personal needs and the need to have not one but two airplanes, not three but five houses. There comes a point in time that you should not want to have your finances impede upon a woman's right to make a determination what to do with her body or all of the other bullshit that's going on right now. And that's what makes them even more despicable 
than they actually are. I want to challenge something that you said just now, though, because you said that you pretty much hey lost guys, all of your wealth as a direct okay. result I'm of really Donald really Trump. But I want to challenge that and say you lost a lot of your wealth because you decided to stand up for our democracy. Okay, guys, pull up. I've got a punk song, okay? I'm lost in the supermarket. Come on, man. If you have any clash, the clash. Um. Reality is that if you Fair. kept if you kept going in that direction, you'd probably be a significantly wealthier person by sure. far right now. But you are confronted in real time with a decision that a lot of people. it's the Tuckers, whether it's the Ingrahams, whether it's the Kushners, you are confronted with the exact same situation. And in your mind, you, you, you at the time, the decision was, Cohen, I'm a, I'm a wealthy person right now. I'm doing well. I could become a significantly wealthier person. I'll probably get pardoned. Let me go down that path and let me hurt our democracy. Or on the other hand, I'm going to make a sacrifice for this democracy for this country, I know the repercussions. You face the repercussions. You're facing the repercussions to this day. That was a decision that you made that was hard. And that's not even the right word. It's beyond hard. But that's what you are confronted with. And you, to protect our democracy, have done it. That's why, if you view it in that context, why I believe that you are really heroic, that the, con that the conduct you engaged in But you, I think yeah, you, you know, Ben, you, you, you're right about how you characterize it. You know, and I'm not I'm not one for the flattery in terms of what I did. I did because I felt it was right. I did it because 
I knew that that's how my wife, my daughter, my son felt that I needed, you know, to step up and to do. But so many people used to say to me at when I was in Otisville, if you would have just shut up, if you would have not, we'll call it, turned on Donald and provided information, what do you think would have happened? You would have been the first one to have gotten pardoned. And they're probably right about that. I mean, if he pardoned Roger Stone and Paul Manafort, two people he didn't particularly care for, right, because they were on his side, I too would have been pardoned. And if I was pardoned, where do you think I would be right now? Not here on political beatdown, not doing uh, my, you know, my mea culpa podcast, not putting out this morning on new book revenge. I would be on Fox News as a host, just like another fuck. Like, you know, like so many others ended up going and working there. I would have ended up, you know, working for Newsmax as a, as a host. Like, I think Lara Trump, who's as dumb as a stump, right? I mean, she has her own show. I'd have my own show on it. Or I would have, you know, the support of all of, like, Kushner with Mohammed Ben. You know, it's the, the future of our democracy so that my children could have no less than what we have. My God willing, one day, my grandchildren, the great grandchildren, that they should be able to enjoy the, you know, the benefits of democracy and that we can start to see a world change so that you don't see things like Russia versus Ukraine with the slaughter that's going on in the death on both sides, by the way, or the fighting that's going on in the Middle East, whether it's Israel and Palestine, whether it's going on between Syria and Iran and all of these things. How nice would it be if one day all we had to worry about on the news was that, you know, little Petey's cat got stuck in a tree. I mean, how nice would that be instead of the war, the famine, the hurricanes, the, you know, the climate change, the you know, the weaponization of justice departments, whether it's, I mean, there's so much that's going on every day. It's no wonder that people are, you know, they're just walking around shaking their head. When, when can I take my head out of the sand and hope to see a better world? And when you mention there the weaponization, the true weaponization, which is now being exposed over and over again in these committee hearings. Ironically, it's the MAGA Republicans who are trying to say, look, it's Biden who's weaponizing the DOJ. But consistently, the Democrats are exposing these MAGA Republicans as, are we going to forget about what Donald Trump did? That's actually what weaponization did, not what President Biden is doing at all right now. By the way, I'm sure a lot of people in this chat room would love for Biden to weaponize the DOJ. They'd love to say, put this guy in jail immediately. Um, But Biden's not. Oftentimes breaking news about you, but these weaponization, quote unquote, weaponization hearings being held by the MAGA Republicans. You know, Dan Goldman, a former federal prosecutor, now a freshman Congress member from the great state of uh, New York, um, you cited you, said that, want to know what a real example of weaponization is? It's what Trump did to his own lawyer when his own lawyer spoke out against him. He put Cohen in solitary confinement for 51 days because Cohen wanted to release a book that just happened right now. Let's play it from the committee hearing. I want to get your response to what Congress member Dan Goldman says. Play the clip. Mr. Chairman. 
Yeah. You have repeatedly said that this committee is all about protecting the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. And what's unfortunate here is that we are talking about Twitter and that we are not talking about Republican government officials around the country who are banning books. And we are not talking about with the gentleman you. No, I will not. And we are not talking about Donald Trump jailing his former counsel to prohibit him from publishing a book that the president did not want. The former president literally jailed his enemy. And we're here talking about Twitter, Twitter. And even with Twitter, you cannot find actual evidence of any direct government censorship of any lawful speech. And when I say lawful, I mean non-criminal speech because plenty of speech is non-criminal. Cohen, that's about you, your response. So what's my response? My response is thank you, Dan. Thank you for keeping this in play that we're still talking about Trump administration's weaponization of the Justice Department to go against his critic, hence the name of my book, right? Revenge. At the end of the day, add now Dan Goldman to the likes of Congressman Jamie Raskin, right? God bless Jamie Raskin. And then Congressman Steve Cohen, no relation from Tennessee, right, who also brought it. One of the things that I did when I found out that this subcommittee on government weaponization was coming to fruition, I, I met with my old friend, buddy, lawyer, Jeff Levine, and we penned a letter and attached a whole bunch of documents. And we sent that document, right, in its entirety to each and every member that was on this new subcommittee, asking for an opportunity to come in and to confront them. That's what Jeff Levine, my lawyer, wanted. He wanted to go in and to confront them on what he saw, what he knows, what happened when it comes to weaponization. Now, I want to be crystal clear about something, something I've said often, and I'm going to say it again today. If, in fact, that there is weaponization under the Biden administration, they, too, should be held accountable. But just because Republicans say that the Biden administration or just because Donald Trump says that the Biden administration is weaponizing the Department of Justice or government to go against their critics doesn't make it. It doesn't make it so. What do we know? Let's talk facts, my friends. And what are the facts here? The facts are that Donald Trump weaponized the Department of Justice using a willing and complicit bloviated attorney general scumbag, Bill fucking Barr, right, in order to go against his critic, namely me, having me lured down to 500 Pearl Street, where they went ahead and they they remanded me back to Otisville, handcuffed, shackled, threw me into a freezer, then sent me back up to Otisville for another 15 days of solitary confinement because they didn't want the book disloyal to come out. I mean, how fucked up is that, that this is the United States of America, that this man, this former president, this animal, decided that he was going to use the full power of government to silence a critic and do so yeah. in one of the most unethical, unconstitutional, un-American manners on. possible. So thanks to Dan Goldman and thanks to Steve Cohen and to Congressman Raskin. And by the way, there are others, Hakeem Jeffries and Ted Lupe penned a letter almost 
going on coming close to three years ago, asking for an investigation to be opened up and asking for documents from FOIA. And guess what they've gotten so far? Nothing. Right. And then so did Carolyn Maloney. She asked for it. And so did Senator Dick Durbin, who asked that the inspector general for the IRS open up an investigation into the IRS's actions towards me because there was no there was no tax evasion. So open. Right. So, um, yeah. An investigation. Get us the documents so that we can see what's going on here. And not one person has received a single document. Question, why? Why? Why is it so hard to get a document that belongs to you and me? And the answer is because any one of those documents would show that the Trump administration managed to weaponize the DOJ and that they did to an American citizen what they did. And there's a bigger picture here, which is, you know, the fact that you will not be able to trust government. You will not be able to trust the Justice Department going further unless, of course, we fix it, unless we expose what happened and why and ensure that it never, ever happens again. And that's my journey, my friends. That's what I talk about in the book Revenge. That's what my journey is in order to ensure that what happened to me, the despicable ever, ever again. And as while I'm still walking this earth, that's my, that's my mission. And I will make sure that it happens. One of the topics that MAGA Republicans are bringing up in committee hearings that are taking place right now as, as we are live, the MAGA Republicans are attacking President Biden's hiring practices. And so uh, the Democrat freshman from Florida, Jared Moskowitz, wanted to have a word about Trump's hiring practices. Play this clip from moments ago. Wow, what an exciting hearing today. Uh, you know, we heard that we should go back to Trump's hiring procedures uh, and that, you know, we heard that, you know, we should hire people on merit, you know, like Trump did. Well, certainly wasn't merit when he hired his children into the White House or his stepson. Right. I, I assume you weren't the one who approved oh Jared Kushner's security clearance when security experts said. He shouldn't have security clearance. I, I assume that wasn't you. Pretty neat. Pretty neat. Yeah, I was going to. I wasn't in the <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I know. That's bad. I ain't going to uh, skip. <laughs> you know.
<laughs> I assume you also weren't the person who hired General Michael Flynn. You know, that wasn't your hire. We do career. civil service and not politicals. Right. You, you know, I'm not the only one who thought the hiring procedures from the Trump administration were pretty bad. I mean, one of Trump's own allies just said a couple weeks ago that he loves President Trump, but his HR was horrible. In fact, quite frankly, it's President Trump himself that says, quite frankly, his hiring procedures were quite terrible. John Bolton, who worked in the Trump administration, Trump called him a wacko and a sick puppy. Jeff Sessions, who was hired by Donald Trump, was called mentally unqualified. John Kelly, who was hired by Donald Trump, 